0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, joined by one of our regulars, Ed Luce of the Financial Times. And we're here to have a conversation with former U.S. National Security Advisor, Tom Donlan. This is part of the series of conversations we've been having the past couple of weeks, looking ahead to the Biden administration and some of the challenges it will face. Welcome, Tom, how are you? I'm doing great, David. Thank you, it's nice to be here with you and Ed. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, no, glad to have you here. Um, I, w- I will just kick right off, and Ed, why don't you pose uh, any question you like to Tom?
1: Uh, thanks, David, Um great, great to see you, Tom. Um, there's already a sort of um, sort of shorthand that everybody has for what the first sort of few weeks of the Biden administration will look like in terms of foreign policy, and rejoining Paris, rejoining WHO, reaching out to allies, etc. Um, uh, what in your view is the most surprising thing that the Biden administration will do in terms of signaling that there's a new sheriff in town? All of that's well understood. What's the most surprising thing that he could do? Oh,
2: I think, well, first of all, thanks for the question. It'll be a very different uh, look and approach by the United States uh, uh, with, with President Biden. Uh, you know, President Trump has engaged in a sharp departure I think it's fair to say, from American foreign policy since World War II, a sharply different approach to leadership, a sharply different approach to allies, as you mentioned, to international institutions and international uh, agreements. So there'll be a sharp change, I think, in in personnel for sure, which we can talk about, uh, in general approach, uh, and most importantly, I just think in terms of the, the United States placing itself back in a leadership position. Now, there's a lot of challenges, uh, and one you didn't mention, Ed, which I think will be at the core of the challenges of the government generally, but, as, but also with respect to foreign policy, and that's COVID. Uh, it, it, the, the, COVID is essential, obviously, to health, it's essential to the economy, and it's essential to the American position in the world. Uh, and I, don't, I think it's important to think about it, maybe that's in kind of a different way, think about COVID more broadly. Um, It's, they're all interrelated, uh, if you will. You know, we're coming off one of the great public policy really failures that the United States has ever had. And Biden, uh, then President-elect Biden then President Biden will have to take that on. But it it affects all these areas, health, economy, the position in the world of the United States. As you know, um, if you follow follow the competition in the world, you will. uh, The China and others have made a lot about the United States difficulties. Uh, in addressing the COVID uh, crisis. And, and, a real, and a challenge obviously for Biden, both domestically and internationally, will be taking it out. It also goes to another thing, which is really important, another concept, which is uh, the idea of competence. Uh, one of the great elements, important elements of US leadership, authority, influence in the world has been both the perception and the reality of American competence. And it's really important for us to get that back. And I think that the President Biden will have the uh, the opportunity to do that. Do you know what I mean by that concept? And and we we've lost that I think to some extent uh, over the last uh, over the last year, maybe maybe before that. So regaining that's an important part of the agenda, I think. Um, I think moving uh, moving forward. The other last thing I mentioned. The other thing we haven't well, two other thing we haven't talked about is also restoring the integrity and functioning of the American national security institutions. Uh, which has, which have, this is going to be a very high priority. Uh, they have really suffered uh, for a number of reasons, right? They haven't, uh, there have been uh, failure to staff them. There have been uh, failures in leadership. You know, I think we've had f- five uh, uh, de- secretaries of defense, for example. At the Department of Homeland Security, the leadership in the top 10 or 12 slots has been empty or with actings. Uh, there's been instability at the top. There has been in some of the institutions, like in the intelligence side of things, there have been. This politicization uh, of the uh, and pressures and distractions on these agencies. So I think another top priority initially is going to have to be the restoration, uh, the restabilizing, uh, kind of focusing again on the mission and the appropriate relationship between the president and these institutions going forward. And the last one I'll mention, um, in addition to allies, is um, there's a big nonproliferation agenda uh, that comes up fairly quickly. Ed and, and, and David, as you know. Which is the uh, which is this re-upping of this new START treaty uh, with Russia, which has to be done in just a, in just a little a few days after the uh, after, after inauguration. The non-proliferation agenda didn't get a lot of attention during this campaign. It is one of the areas where we have really, really fallen behind. And we can talk about that today if you want. In almost every dimension, we've fallen behind in terms of the major agreements between the United States and Russia. We've fallen behind in terms of, our, of Iran's uh, progress or ability to, to pursue a nuclear weapon. We've fallen behind in terms of North Korea's actual increasing their uh, weapons um, uh, their weapons capability, uh, and we've fallen certainly behind in terms of the U.S. leadership on proliferation. We've never had a president who's talked about proliferation, or uh, nuclear weapons, in the ways that Donald Trump has been. So there's a long list there, but those are some of the things that might not come to your, come to the minds of a foreign
0: policy person
2: uh, right away.
0: So you mentioned early in in, in your response to Ed um, the issue of some of the personalities. Uh, the biggest difference. Uh, clearly is going to be in the personality of the president of the United States. Um, I will often say to people, um, or have often said in the past couple of uh, weeks, particularly as we've talked about this with people, that Joe Biden brings more foreign policy experience to this than any president in modern memory. Uh, And they'll say, well, you mean, except George H.W. Bush? And I say, no, actually, George H.W. Bush started his foreign policy work in 1971 and became president in 1988, so that's 17 years. Joe Biden started in 1972, and he's been doing it ever since. So Joe Biden actually has sort of three times as much frontline foreign policy experience as the next most experienced person that we've had. Um, Also, you know, we'll see what happens with Georgia, But the Senate has proved to be an obstacle for getting a lot of work done. And foreign policy is going to be an area where the president has a pretty free hand. So it's likely to be one of the signature areas for this president going forward. How does how does Joe Biden shape U.S. foreign policy? You know him well. How how does his personality and how do his personal priorities and experiences come into play?
2: Yeah, well, I think David, you're right. He he will be the most experienced uh, person to come into uh, into the presidency with respect to foreign policy, um, and uh, it has been at the core of what he's done for a long uh, for a long time. I think a couple of things. Number one is I think he does bring and he articulates it a uh, a vision of leadership for the United States, and that that will begin with allies. Ed mentioned that briefly. Um, Biden is a uh, he's obviously quite. Well known to the world, and the world well known, you know, knows him pretty well. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about moving quickly to a G20 meeting. Our, you know, my former colleague uh, Larry Larry Summers has, has written and talked about this. I think that there should be some sequencing here, and I think I would I would think it's say the then uh, President Biden do that, which is that which is to really start with allies. Uh, as you know, he's a long time Atlanticist. Um, deep roots uh, in, uh, in Europe and with our European uh, allies, deep relationships. Um, there's been damage uh, uh, to the uh, perception of reliability and American leadership with our allies. So I think you need to start there. And I think you would see him, I think you would see him start uh, uh, start there. Um, I think he also has a sense of, um, of the, um, and he's articulated this during the campaign, has a sense of the kind of inextric- 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 inextricable relationship between Uh, domestic policy and foreign policy. Uh, This is especially the case in the era that we're in right now. Uh, This this era of intensified competition uh, between the United States and China, uh, where he'll begin, as I said, understanding that that challenge is a lot more effectively taken on in a multilateral sense um, with allies uh, and partners who share an outlook. And I think you'll see early on um, an effort to uh, to work with allies, to, to form a common approach with respect to China, also with respect to climate um, and uh, COVID and technology. Uh, so I think that, that I think that's a, that's a key part of this. But the other part of it is, is I think you'll also see a, a real focus on um, really kind of our, our challenge with China being a lot about us as much as it is about them. And I think you'll see a big investment agenda. And I think he understands that's articulated that. Um, so this, this link between uh, domestic strength and foreign policy and, and uh, effectiveness in the world, I think is strong with him. Um, the other piece of this is that, um, uh, David, you know, he, he, is, uh, he understands the nature of United States leadership. He understands the necessity of US leadership. He understands as, as Tony Blinken uh, has said that the world doesn't organize itself and he's quite comfortable in that role. Quite comfortable in that role, you know. I think Biden un- understands. I think the strength of the United States has a lot of confidence in that role, and I think you'll see that. I think you'll see that approach as he goes as he goes forward.
1: Ed, um, you said um, you'd um, like to get into personnel. I mean, one of the key people is, of course, Jake Sullivan, yeah. um, whom I know, but you obviously know much much better than than I do, um, and he's taking your former job, National Security Advisor. Jake's written. I've been rereading some of the stuff he's written, Um, and Jake's written um, in the last year or two about having foreign policy for the middle class and about having a post-neoliberal foreign policy. What do you think that means?
2: Well, a couple of things. First, I mean, well, Jake can, you know, obviously will speak for himself as he gets into this in his position, and he's a a terrific uh, choice for... uh, for uh, President elect Biden, he also, he obviously served as as Vice President of Biden's National Security Advisor for a bit, and he was the head of Policy Planning at the State Department for Secretary uh, for Secretary Clinton, and really is uh, you know one of the one of the stars of his of his generation, uh, and we're you know I think uh, Biden's very lucky to have him have him there. I think uh, and it goes to a couple of things. One, it goes to the thing to this concept that I was speaking about with David of the relationship between uh, domestic policy and foreign policy, and especially uh, the reestablishment of kind of the snapback of the American economy. Um, this is, there's not a lot of iron laws in foreign policy and national security in history, but one of them certainly is that, that your ability uh, to maintain uh, international leadership uh, is, you know, is absolutely related to, your, to the strength of your, of your economy and your people at, uh, at home. And I think that you know, Jake has written about uh, the, the importance of investments, uh, which, by the way, we really have neglected uh, in the last four years. We've we we really lost some critical years in this in this competition uh, with uh, with China. But the kinds of investments in human capital uh, and technology uh, in the United States will make us stronger at home, and, and it's absolutely essential, I think, to our position our position in the world. The second piece of this is that uh, I think you'll. It's to it's, it's really move towards a, kind of a post-9/11 view of the world in terms of the range of issues that we face uh, in the world, um, and they include things like global health coming out of this out of this pandemic. They include things like uh, thinking hard about technology alliances around the world, as we've been talking about here in terms of the competition uh, with uh, with with China. Uh, they include uh, a really tight, intense focus on Asia. Um, uh, moving moving forward, I think those are some of the concepts that you'll uh, that you
0: will uh, that you'll see. You know, it's interesting that you just put it that way because I was thinking, as you were talking, uh, that Jake is a national security advisor, kind of in the mold that you were, um, in the sense that he's a very well-read guy, he's a very thoughtful guy, he's a very strategic guy, and uh, I always found it. Um, rewarding to talk to you while you were a national security advisor. You'd have a big stack of books that you're reading on your desk and you were trying not to be um, driven by the moment, as Sandy Berger used to say, Washington's a town where the urgent always overtakes the important. And you were trying to keep an eye on the important. Um, and when you were doing it, there were two big shifts that were going on that I really consider you know, in many ways, you started the, started the ball rolling or, or, or pushed it along. One was this pivot to Asia. One was this recognition that China was the central bilateral relationship. Um, and in that respect, you know, I, I can't give the Trump administration good grades at anything uh, or almost anything. But in foreign policy, one area where they sort of picked up on some work that was done by the Obama administration um, and developed it a little bit, and they deserve credit, although you know, I think it, it, it may be more people in the military that deserve the credit, It was they picked up on this idea of the quad, on this idea that in an age of a rising China, the relationship between India, Australia, Japan, and the United States was gonna be really essential. Um, and they've also, and, and, and circumstances, and the Trump administration has not helped at all in this regard, but circumstances during the past four years have raised the centrality of technology issues. Um, uh, and as we're in the midst of just learning about the nature of this latest hack, and of course, technology issues are also central to competitiveness questions. And so I'm wondering, With respect to those two, what do you think the first things that are gonna get done are? And um, are there some other transformative um, foreign policy issues that you think are gonna be on the front burner?
2: A couple of things. Well, first of all, on the job of the, it's a a rich question, on the job of the National Security Advisor, um, it is easy to be overwhelmed by your inbox. It's a big world. Uh, there are constantly issues coming into your uh, into your office and it is absolutely essential and I think Jake Sullivan will be very good at this it's absolutely essential to stay on offense it's absolutely essential to structurally in the job and how you work with the president to have your priorities in front of you and working repeatedly every day every week towards those priorities and not be thoroughly distracted um, from uh, from the, from that's so, that's a that's an essential part of the job of national of national security. Uh, uh, advisor. Uh, secondly, uh, it you know it was the case, and uh, uh, our observation during the Obama years was that we were way overinvested uh, militarily, especially in um, the Middle East and in South Asia, and and began to move that as a, as mo- maybe the most important strategic move that the Obama administration uh, undertook was the so-called rebalance to uh, rebalance to Asia, and it was multidimensional. Uh, it was diplomatic. It was in terms of defense. Um, assets and doctrine and weaponry. Uh, it included, obviously, an economic plank. The TPP uh, was the economic plank of, of that uh, of that approach. Um, and I do think that that I think that that look at Asia as a uh, as a strategic priority, as where a lot of the history of the 21st century is going to be written, will continue. In the Biden administration, and I think certainly Jake Sullivan and his team, Tony Blink and others, are are aware are certainly aware of that. On the two things you asked about with respect to uh, with respect to China uh, and and Asia generally, I do think that this the, the idea of um, of um, investment here, right? Understanding that at the end of the day, uh, a lot of this competition is around economics. Uh, and within that is a, it is especially about technology, is really critical. And you're right, the, the, the Trump administration has made some efforts in this regard. I don't know that I'm, I really haven't seen a coherent strategy though, David, have you? I mean, no. they, they, undertake, they, undertake they, they had they kind of an attitude uh, towards it, and, but really not a strategy, and undertook a set, of, um, uh, a set of particular steps that need to be brought together in a strategy. And how do you do that? I think you do, I, I really haven't seen them undertake Kind of a comprehensive assessment of where we are in the world on technology. Where, where are we leading? Where are we behind? Where do we need to lead? What's really important for the United States to maintain its edge, which has been absolutely critical to our security and prosperity for the last 75 years? Uh, that kind of comprehensive look and then thoughtful strategies moving, uh, moving forward when we can in concert with our allies, but most importantly with respect to investment here, uh, I haven't seen that kind. Of, I haven't seen that kind of approach taken uh, in the Trump administration. I think you will see the Biden administration undertake that kind of careful approach with a focus on on technology. Understanding that is that's really the main game in a lot of respects. Uh, moving, uh, moving, moving forward. Um, now you mentioned uh, um, cyber cybersecurity, uh, and we've had in just in the last couple of days here, um, you know, the revelation that in fact there was a major a major hack attack, if you will. Uh, on a number of um, uh, the government agencies and departments and a number of private uh, private sector uh, companies as well. Um, that is, um, that underscores something I think which has been a weakness and needs to become a strength uh, in, the, in, the, in the executive branch and in leadership. Um, you know, our Intel assessments for the last 10 years have indicated that cybersecurity was at the top of the risk for, for the government. Um, but, you know, the Trump administration really undertook to dismantle the structures that we've put in place, you know, that we had, a, we had a cyber coordinator inside the White House and, and uh, uh, that was taken down, uh, needs to, I think, to be reestablished. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's inconceivable that you can take on something as complicated, multidimensional, where the agencies and departments have varying interests and expertise. It's not conceivable you can do this without having a strong centralized uh, centralized uh, lead. I don't think, for example, I don't think that President Trump's ever mentioned it in one of his State of the Union addresses, for example. Uh, and I think it did get; uh, it hasn't had the support and kind of the structure you need uh, to do it uh, uh, to do it correctly. I think that is, and that was that's underscored, I think, in the attack that we've seen uh, uh, just, um, uh, exposed in the last in the last few days, which which was, by all accounts, a sophisticated nation-state attack on. Um, on government and other systems in the United States, really an
0: underscoring uh, weaknesses that we, uh, uh, that we have. That's uh, yeah, a good point. And there are institutional gaps that still need to be filled. It'll be interesting to see how the president-elect fills them. Ed.
2: you know, Some uh, of that though, Dave, before I leave this, some of that also has been, uh, this prioritization from, from the president really matters. Um, and I think that if you look at the key agencies uh, that uh, are, to, are supposed to be focused on these kinds of attacks, including DHS, there's been a lot of distraction. And I think in a lack of leadership at the top uh, in these places, I think Chris Krebs uh, did a very good job with respect to who was the head of the, the, the cyber efforts uh, to so, uh, support and protect the elections, did a very good job. Um, but the, the agency as a whole DHS and throughout the government, I think has been. I think it's fair to say distracted by all manner of other things uh, as opposed to really focusing on this as a national as a national priority.
0: Ed.
1: Yeah. Um, could could I um, Tom just fuse I think the two most recurring criticisms I've heard of the, the Biden team and what it's expected to do on foreign yeah. policy and ask you to respond. Um the first is oh well this is just the blob coming back into office. It's the foreign policy you know think tank people coming back in. Um and um its familiar names Tony Blinken etc. The second is um, that the premise on which uh, um, Biden is saying, look, America is back. Um, and as you just quoted, the world doesn't organize itself, we're going to lead again. Um, the premise is um, maybe too optimistic um, that the world has moved on since um, Biden was vice president, and that it's much harder to lead in a more skeptical world that's once bitten, twice shy towards America. Mm-hmm. Could I ask you to respond to those two sort of recurring um, critiques one hears, not, not just from the left, but you know, from different places.
2: Yeah, let me take the last question first, Ed. I think that uh, there are certainly going to be challenges after, f- after four years of the Trump administration with respect to um, uh, US leadership and questions around reliability that have been raised, I think, by allies around the, uh, around the world. Um, and so I do think that the experience of the Trump administration will make it more challenging. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think movement going forward. Second though, I think that the, I think you'll see the demand signal. And by the way, before I go to that, and the world has moved and changed. Uh, You know, we are, uh, with respect to uh, great power competition, we are in a very different place than five or six years ago, even four or five years ago, uh, with respect to, especially with respect to to China, uh, where in fact, there's been a major rethink in the United States with respect to uh, U.S.-China relations, but it's also important, and we don't talk about this enough. There's been a major rethink in China as well. Uh, there has been a, you know, a, a careful consideration in China of, uh, of interdependence, uh, of uh, the concepts of self-reliance, um, of their uh, assessing their dependency weaknesses, um, and of course, on the United States side, similar kinds of rethinks at fundamental levels have gone on in the last in the last four or five years, which are. Uh, which are really important and it does show, it does demonstrate a, change, a changed world and in and, uh, and different challenges. That said, uh, I do think you'll find the demand signal pretty high for US leadership. Uh, I, I think that you see that, you know, there was a, uh, you certainly see that you talk to, to leaders in Europe and the foreign ministries and the prime minister's um, uh, offices in, uh, uh, in, uh, in Europe. And I think, you, I think you get a sense that they'll, that uh, the United States back at the table um, uh, working on common approaches uh, to uh, everything from climate to China, um, uh, working on co- common approaches in, in the Europe side to, uh, to Russia, uh, I think will be welcome. I think that I, I do, I don't, I don't und- underestimate your, the point you made with respect to questions about reliability um, of the United States and, uh, and changes, abrupt changes in policy. But I do think particularly someone who has the record that Biden has, uh, I do think that you'll see a demand signal, pretty significant, uh, a pretty significant demand signal for the U.S. back at the table uh, to, to 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 work through making common approaches with respect to with uh, respect to, to these issues, especially as I think climate, China, and a number of other things. China, especially, as you know, Ed, there have been uh, significant changes in Europe with respect to the view of China, uh, and I think uh, and I think it can come into kind of much more common cause with the United States, led by led by a uh, uh, by President Biden, and of course, it'll be a much different atmosphere, won't it? It won't be an atmosphere where, uh, where the President of the United States is fighting as hard with the Europeans as he is with the Chinese. Uh, it'll be a much different atmosphere, I think, uh, going forward. So I think there'll be a demand signal will be pretty high for it. With respect to the question about the team, um, it's a deeply experienced team. Uh, there's, no, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's also, though, in many ways, a new generation uh, team, though. Um, you know, Jake Sullivan uh, that, uh, you know, that, you know, when David asked me uh, about a couple of times, you know, Jake is the youngest national security advisor since George Bundy in the Kennedy administration. Uh, and he's a person who has thought deeply about problems, including, as I said earlier, what the post 9-11 world looks like. Uh, and has thought a lot about domestic issues as well as pol- as well as foreign policy issues. He's quite unique in that respect, by the way, uh, where his, his his expertise, his policy interests, are quite broad. and I think gives him a, a unique set of uh, perspectives. It's a, it's a it's a young team, and Avril Haines at um, our new generation team uh, at uh, at the at the DNI, Position and Tony at Lincoln at at the State Department. Uh, you know, these uh, folks are well known around the world, um, and I think quite. Um, quite aware of a, kind of that the world is a, is, a, is a changed place, and that there really isn't the option of having your foreign policy be that we're going to try to return in every conceivable way to what it was pre-2017. Is not a, it's not an, not an effective approach. Not a realistic approach. Um, I, I know these, I know these folks quite well. Uh, they're, they're quite aware of that, and I think you'll see, you'll see as I said them and looking at, what, looking at the world, I'm quite aware of, kind of the kind of the changes that have, that have taken place. It's not an option uh, to go back to the, to, uh, to the pre-2017 world. This is especially the case, for example, I think, in, in terms of great power, the great power relations where, where we need, and we don't have, by the way, a coherent comprehensive approach with respect to China. You know, we've undertaken, for example, in China, an economic approach, uh, which has been essentially bilateral trade tariffs with China. Which have and it could have it would have been predicted by any serious economist that it was going to work out this way and it's utterly failed. Uh, You know, if you look at the you know we haven't we haven't had any reduction in the trade deficit. Uh, As a matter of fact, last month uh, I think we had record imports of Chinese goods into the United States. Uh, We paid a terrible cost uh, in the United States with our farmers and our manufacturing. Uh, facilities with respect to the, the cost of the tariff. So um, there's a. Uh, I think that th- th- these uh, these folks are quite aware of the changes. Uh, they're a new generation of leadership. It is not the, It's not kind of a, a, uh, um, a uh, you know kind of a, a kind of the same kind of cabinet level people coming through again. I mean, you know, Vice, you know, Vice President Biden, the President-elect, really did reach into reach into. Um, I think a new generation of leadership, which I think is pretty exciting.
0: I'll have one more question. Ed will have one. I'm going to hazard an observation here, Joe. Picking up on what you said, one other thing that's striking about this team is that they know each other, and they respect process. And you're not going to have the president of the United States backdooring every, every agency or 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 uh, or or any appointee in the way that we've seen, and that that will have them actually working as a team. But my question um, is. I guess the perennial question I've it's come up, you know, every time there's a new president, and that's what's the initial test going to be? Who's gonna test this president? You know, will Vladimir Putin test the president as he has done in the past? Will others test the president? Whether it's extremist groups, the Iranians have been interestingly in the past couple of days a little more conciliatory, which is a, a test in and of itself. What do what do you think these 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 first tests that are going to be there to see whether Biden is actually restoring things and is going to be able to stru- be strong or if the U.S. is is sort of you know been permanently weakened? Where where do you think they'll come?
2: Yeah, from? David, I think I think as I said, I think the first test is uh, is uh, COVID. I think the world, uh, especially our, our principal competitors in the world, will see COVID as the first test of the U.S. president. Uh, and the, the difference between a successful effort to dis- distribute the vaccine and get a- appropriate levels and good levels of take up of the vaccine and to move on uh, to a stronger economy during the course of the first half of 2021 and not being able to do that effectively and competently is night and day. Uh, that's the first test uh, and the world's gonna be watching uh, uh, that, that effort as you know, the, uh President elect has put in charge of uh, Jeff Zients is the uh, the coordinator in the White House for that effort. Nothing could be more important. Uh, you know, we have really uh, the damage that has been done with respect to uh, you know, kind of U.S. image influence uh, in in the world in the last you know in the last few years has really been substantial. But especially, I think, uh, during the COVID crisis, and so that recovery, that snapback. Is, is, is obviously really important the second chess test of course is going to be is uh, is the ability to bring together the country and, and, and try to get some sense of unity in the country that also by the way if you talk to Chinese interlocutors uh, for example or interlocutors in Europe the, this is this 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 effort here by the president to try to you know overthrow a democratic uh, presidential election right subvert it been very damaging. It's something I don't think, I know this talking to folks around the world, it's something they never thought they would see in the United States. So those, I think, David, are the really the first first test. Now you could have some other things happen. I think in the first instance, most countries in the world are going to want to get off to a decent start with the Biden administration, because I think they would see it as 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 a return um, to a, uh, you know, kind of a, um, a kind of a kind of a, 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 a kind of a kind of return to a leadership posture, but by the United States that they, that they recognize, but you could certainly have um, you could certainly have uh, outliers. And I think you could point to the North Koreans probably as a, um, as a, uh, as a, you know, as a possible, you know, as a possible uh, provocateur uh, early on to try to get attention and to try to get themselves uh, back at the, you know, back at the table where they think they may have some advantage. So I would, I, you could point there. Uh, and of course, there's always there are always the um, the threats that we have on the cyber side and on the terrorist side, uh, which is uh, has to be a, a something we're vigilant about every uh, every day. The Russian thing is interesting. We we could talk. We could do a whole podcast on the on on on, on Russia, where we are in we are in an actively hostile posture vis a vis Russia right now uh,
0: in the United States uh well maybe we we'll, maybe we should come back and and do that i think we could do the same thing on china hong kong and the Uyghurs, and and the tests that may emanate from that as, as well and let me give you the last question
1: um got a slightly different one tom knowing knowing um president elect biden as you do and for the length of time that you have um What's your guess about whether he'll want to be a two-term president or he'll want to make himself voluntarily a one-term president and hand over to somebody else?
2: I think that every, every president goes into office believing that uh, that, that he's going to be a uh, two-term president. I think that's a in there. you know, and it's in there uh, it's, it's in the makeup of people who run for, who run for president, um, who undertake these big tasks and see the kind of the long, Kind of long haul, and uh, what's required to make to make change. So I think that would I think that'll certainly be the attitude and posture that the uh, that the Biden administration will undertake from its uh, from the uh, from the outset. That'll be that'll be
0: my bet, having known a few presidents. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's I, I I do I do think that's right. Well, you know, Tom, uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you. I I, I would add, it's a great pleasure to talk to you in a moment of some optimism. You and I have had conversations in the past where there was there was less optimism in the air, but when you look at what's going on with this administration, I think an accept, I, I have to say, I think an extraordinary job of managing a transition in an extraordinary moment of keeping their eye on the ball, not yeah. being distracted, not letting Trump set the agenda. Um. Uh, the 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 the. It may be that the first test of this administration actually has already occurred. Yeah. Um. In 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 that period, but this is a moment of optimism, um. And I hope that we can continue this conversation going forward.
2: Yeah. Well, I'd love to do that, and I, I agree with you. You know, I think you've seen a conscious effort to demonstrate to the American people and to the world a sharp contrast in styles of leadership. Um of uh, kind of ignoring kind of the, the nonsense, uh, undertaking kind of the big themes, um, uh, looking to the big challenges, as I said, on, on COVID and, and, uh, and, and really relying on science. We could also do a whole podcast, David, on, on, the re, on re- returning science to the center of policymaking, which I think is gonna be a very important uh, piece of this.
0: And, and uh, I would add the extraordinary effort to put climate back at the center. of
2: Well, this, we didn't talk I about mean, this at the end of the day, what will we'll probably end up being the biggest change.
0: Uh, And and it's at at a
2: moment when that's the direction in which the world is looking, is moving, right? You've seen the carbon neutral uh, target dates now set by most of the world uh, as of this past weekend, uh, including China, Europe, uh, Japan, and Korea. Uh, And that is obviously gonna be a big change that the world is moving in that that direction, hard and fast um, on uh, on climate change. Uh, the, The private sector, the finance community, is moving very fast in that uh, that direction. The United States has been an outlier uh, over the last over the last four years, and it will join in with what it could be an important global moment. Now, one thing you always, I like, you know, I, I always like to recommend books to you, David. I'll just finish yeah. with this is that, so this has been a challenging transition, uh, no doubt about it. We had a historically, a historically um, the unusual governance situation where you had a president Elect who was obviously elected and has now been formally certified by the Electoral College, uh, and, a, and a sitting president who refuses to acknowledge that. And it caused some issues at the beginning. I think that I think the Biden uh, transition is caught up. But I was reflecting on on, um, on past transitions and trying to compare them. And for really difficult transitions, I recommend to you and Ed and your, and your listeners uh, a book which I just finished. Uh, last week by Ted Whitmer, who I think you know, right, called Lincoln on the Verge. And it's, this is the story of the 13 day train ride from Springfield, Illinois to Washington, DC, as Lincoln comes in to Washington to be inaugurated. That was a transition uh, of, uh, you know, with, um, with enormous events during the course of those 13, during those 13 days. So if we think that we've got challenges here, it uh, always it does some good to look back at the challenges that the country has overcome in the
0: past. I recommend the book highly. Uh, uh, I actually have read the book, and and huh, I, okay. I I I I take the recommendation. Um, well, look, Tom. Um, thanks for the insight. For those of you who don't know, not only is Tom known, uh, President Elect Biden a long time. Uh, Tom's brother serves as an advisor to the president. Tom's wife serves now in a in a in a uh, will serve in a senior capacity in that White House. Tom has been a senior advisor, and that gives me. Confidence too. So we're I'm 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 glad I'm 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 glad to see you there back in the center of things. Uh, Thanks, Ed, for joining us. Thanks to everybody for listening. For more of what we've got coming, including tomorrow's uh, episode where we have coming in uh, Representative Veronica Escobar. um, uh, Please go to the DSR Network. Uh, We'll be doing this uh, uh, every week as we do, and we look forward to seeing you again. In the meantime, everybody. Stay healthy. Thank you.